Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Once in a while I like to do something a little bit different, and I thought, what better day to do that than today, the day of our annual conference up in Grove City. But the message is titled, Who Are We? And this morning we're going to look at a little bit of our church history, if you will, and and try to remember who we are and why we believe what we believe. We, of course, are the United Methodist Church, but we're Protestants and we are Christians, meaning we follow the teaching of Christ, we follow the life of Christ through the Protestant movement, and in particular through the teachings and methods of John and Charles Wesley, but as well as other reformers. And there's really five aspects of our belief that I want to look at this morning. We believe in the Holy Scriptures. We believe in the Bible. We believe in faith. We believe in grace. We believe in Christ. And we believe giving God all the glory. Those are really five key pillars of the Reformation of Christianity, of the Protestant movement, and of Methodist church. As United Methodist Christians, we follow the teachings of John and Charles Wesley, as I mentioned. But we also stand with other names, like Martin Luther, John Calvin, and other reformers of the 1500s, on the one principle of only the scriptures. And with that, we're saying that the Bible, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else has infallible authority for us. The Bible is what we follow. Scripture is inerrant and infallible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 states, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We believe in the Holy Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And it reveals the word of God to us so far that it's necessary for our salvation. Meaning everything we need to know about God can be found in his word. We don't need to go to other sources. Sometimes we use other sources, such as commentaries, such as biblical his, uh, you know, history of, of churches and things like that. And those are interesting to read. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we do not need those books for our salvation and to understand and hear what God has to say for us. The Bible is the only book that we need. Scripture has the ability to lead you to Jesus Christ and teach you how to live a Christian life. Not only does it provide us with information about God, it provides us with the information we need and can use to live on a daily basis. 
There's many books out there about how to raise children. Everyone has their own opinion. The Bible has the exact way how to do it. There's many books, especially today, there's many books about finances, how to manage your finances, what to do. The Bible tells you about money. It tells you how to handle it. It tells you where its place is. The Bible is the only book we need, not only for God, but for our life. But we also believe in God and Jesus Christ through faith and faith alone. We've heard that quite a bit. But what does that really mean? Well, it means all we need is faith, nothing else, to become a Christian. We need to believe. And no doubt we're all familiar with that wonderful scripture that we probably memorize as children. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There's our faith. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you only have 30 seconds to explain the gospel, that's the scripture I would go to. Believe in Jesus Christ, and you will have everlasting life. That's all it takes, and that's exciting. Not only is it all you need to become a Christian, but that's all you need to stay a Christian, is faith. In Jesus Christ. Notice some of the things that it does not say. It does not say, oh yes, you need to believe in Jesus Christ, but eh, you also need to go to church every week, you need to pray every day, you need to, to uh, support the church with, with, with money and, and serve on various committees and paint the church and clean the church and things like that. It does not say any of that. And sometimes we forget how simple the gospel message really is. It's by faith alone. Faith in Christ. Well, the logical question becomes, okay, well, how do you know if someone's faith is real? Because anybody can say, well, I have faith. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. I have faith in God. James chapter 2, verse 14 tells us, faith without works is dead. See, when you have faith, you want to do things. And not only do you want to do them, it's hard for you not to do them. For the true Christian that has faith, it's hard to miss a Sunday service. Even when you're sick and you're not feeling well or you're, you're, you're stuck in bed, you want to go. Because that's where you want to be. It's hard not to pray. And I've heard stories of, of people that, that take medication for one reason or another, and it kind of clouds their mind uh, whenever they do take the, take the drug, whatever it happens to be. And when they come, kind of come down, the medication's wearing down, they feel the sense of how they don't want to take the drug again because they can't pray, they can't think right. And when you can't pray as a Christian, 
you're not going to feel right when you don't. The same thing with giving your time, your efforts, your money to the church. You're going to want to do that as a Christian. You're going to want to read and study the Word of God when you have faith. That's how you know your faith is genuine. So if you run into someone and they say, oh, I'm a faithful person, but they don't read or study the Bible, they don't go to church, they don't pray, well, now where exactly is your faith? You might have faith in something, but it's not in the faith of the God of the Bible. We believe we are never accounted righteous before God through our works or merit, but that sinners are justified or accounted righteous before God only by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We can do lots of things in this world, lots of good things. We could come up with cures for diseases. We could feed the hungry. But that's not going to get us into heaven. Only faith in Jesus Christ will. And that's something we believe. That's one of our pillars. Another thing is we believe also in grace alone. So we believe in the Holy Scriptures. We believe in the Bible. We believe in faith. But we also believe in grace. See, before we were born, God was thinking about us. God knew us. He already had a plan for our life. That's grace. And when we become Christians, God forgives our sins. That's grace. As you learn and grow as a Christian and learn to get let go of your problems and let the Holy Spirit transform your life to be more like Christ, that's grace. And one day when Christ returns to this earth, we will receive new bodies, heavenly bodies, for eternity. That's grace. We use the term grace to describe God's unmerited love for us. And as Protestant Christians, we firmly believe that God's grace is all that it takes to make us right with God. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No doubt another scripture that most of us have heard many times. For it is by grace that you have been saved. That means the Savior, Jesus Christ, paid it all. When he died on the cross, he paid it all. He paid the eternal price for our sins. That's what it means. There isn't any leftover payment to be made. There's nothing else we can do. The price has been paid. We do not earn our salvation through works. Jesus paid it all. And that is grace. We believe man is fallen from righteousness. And apart from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is destitute of holiness and inclined to evil. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In his own strength, without divine grace, man cannot do works pleasing and acceptable to God. 
We believe in God's word. We believe in faith in Jesus Christ. And we believe God's grace enables us to do things pleasing to him. Matthew chapter 19 verse 16 records a man going up to Jesus and asking, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? That one sentence really describes how the world views religion. They want to know what they have to do. What's it going to cost me? What do you want me to do? I have a Muslim friend that uh, is actually a college professor, and we would talk about many different things, and we would talk about religion periodically. And, of course, with the Muslims, they have very strict, they need to follow the different things, pray uh, throughout the day, and uh, you know, make a journey to Mecca, and they have certain things that they have to do. And he asked me, he says, what, what does your religion have to, to do? What do you have to do? I said, nothing. We don't have to do anything. It's a free gift to us. And he didn't understand. He couldn't comprehend. And the reason why he couldn't comprehend is because it's the grace of God. When he enters our life, he opens our eyes. He opens our ears. He opens our heart and opens our minds so that we can receive his word and believe with faith. See, we are people who have already won the battle. We are victorious. We read the end of the book. We know how it ends. In fact, right now I'm, I'm kind of studying Revelation. And uh, it's good news. If you haven't read it, it's good news. For us at least. We're people who can enjoy God's wonderful world. Why? Because we don't earn our salvation. By faith, we celebrate the victory that is coming. My Muslim friend, if he does all these things he's supposed to do, he might, according to his belief, he might have a chance to get into heaven. He might. He doesn't know for sure. He could be wasting all of his time doing these things. And we would argue he is. We know we don't earn our salvation. There's nothing we can do. And yes, as we become Christians and we live the Christian life, we will have problems. It will not be the perfect life. We will have sickness. We will have crisis. We'll have difficulties. But during all that trouble, we know that God's grace is poured out on us. And He is there making a difference in our life. Really understanding the meaning of grace has a tremendous impact on the way you live your life, as well as the way you evangelize to others. As I said, all other religions, there's really only two types. One, you earn your way to, to salvation, and one, it's freely given through Christ. That's what all the religions boil down to. Ours is a message of grace. Christ has been paid, and we get to tell people about God's grace. And part of God's grace is we believe in Christ alone as well. 
And this is where a lot of people get a little bit offended. Because they hear Jesus say, or they, they hear people say that Jesus is the only way to God. And they're immediately going to point their fingers and say, that's exclusivism. Well, I would argue that truth is exclusive, right? It's either true or it's not. Jesus is the only way to, to heaven. It's exclusive. It's either true or it isn't. There's no middle ground. There's no other interpretation. There's no other twist or spin you can put on it. He either is or isn't. So it is exclusive. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's the type of religion that Christianity is. Either you are a Christian or you aren't. Either you follow Christ or you don't. He doesn't take anything less than 100%. The offering Christ freely made on the cross is perfect and sufficient for the sins of the whole world. Redeeming men from all sins so that no other satisfaction is required. Jesus died for the sins of the world. There's no plan B. There's no other options. That's it. This is not something we as Christians debate. Christ alone is our path to salvation. And we read in Scripture as well some of the parables of Christ and the teachings of Christ. But there are many people that call themselves Christians but are really not. And in that day, God is going to say to them, say to them Depart from me. I never knew you. Finally, we believe to God alone belongs the glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And that really is a key verse for us as well. It means that everything we do, everything we say, every decision we make should be done to give glory, honor, and praise to God. We believe good works are the necessary fruits of faith and follow regeneration, but they do not have the virtue to remove our sins or to avert divine judgment. We believe good works, pleasing and acceptable to God in Christ, spring from a true and living faith, for through and by them faith is made evident. To God alone be the glory. And there's been many great people, composers, artists, that have done wonderful things. Many wonderful hymns, for example. But they were done not to impress my friends, impress my neighbors, or to lift myself up. But they were done, they were wrote and composed to glorify God. And that's what we need to do with our lives. And I know I've said this before, but each day before you go to bed and, and maybe you have your evening prayer, think back 
on today and replay in your head the things that you did, the things that you said. And kind of keep track of it if you can. And and pay attention to those things that, that you did that glorified God. And then also evaluate the situations where you didn't glorify Him. And continuously try to improve, to do whatever it is you do to glorify God. Whether that's whatever situation you're in, whether it's in school, hanging out with friends, relatives, work, whatever portion of your life, do it to glorify God. And I know especially some of us today, uh, the United States is really lacking strong leadership. And work is very frustrating for most people. I talk to a lot of different people and they're very frustrated because they see a lot of things happening in work in their in, in the lives of other people and it's frustrating to them. And maybe they're working hard while people around them are kind of slacking. And that's frustrating. Greed is very frustrating. We see that today. Maybe the leaders at the top are walking away from some of these corporations with millions and millions of dollars while people, other people become unemployed because of their greedy actions. It's frustrating. And it makes you want to just shut down and say, I don't care. I'm just going to sit here at my desk and stare at the wall like everyone else. But I would challenge you to glorify God, to do your job. You're there for a reason. And God has given you that job for a reason. And when it's no longer time for you to be at that job, God will put something else in your life. I'm confident of that. But it applies wherever you are. Glorify God with your life. Live for Jesus. That is the finest thing that we can do. Repent, believe the gospel, and live for Christ. If you do that, you indeed will be giving him the glory that he deserves. So we believe the Bible. That's all we need. We believe by faith alone. We believe by grace alone. Through Christ alone. And to alone, to God be the glory. That's what we believe. That's who we are. As United Methodist Protestant Christians. Let us close with a word of prayer. Lord, help us truly believe and live by the Holy Scriptures, by our faith and with your grace through Jesus Christ, so that we may give you all the glory and honor and praise this week and throughout our lives. It's by the precious blood of Christ that we pray and that we give thanks. Amen.